Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women. And if you read this book, you'll need a beer. It's Dragon. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. <laughs> I'm Jimmy. <laughs> and we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading Red Dragon by Thomas Harris. And I'll start with this beer. This is part of the Hannibal Lecter series. This is the first one. It is, though it's not the first, you know, everyone, the majority of people will probably know Sounds of the Lambs first. Red Dragon came out years earlier. And the main character is, again, not Hannibal Lecter. And it's also not Clarice Starling. It's another dude, um, Will Graham. And he has he's the guy who caught Hannibal Lecter and, and uh, you know, put him away for jail. And he's going to be away for a while, at least for seven years. And this is... <laughs> 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 needed to use this before I drank it all. This is Seven Year, a triple IPA from Finback that was brewed for their seventh anniversary. And it is a triple IPA that's 10.1% alcohol, brewed with Belma, Brew One, Brew One Lupo Max, Citra, Citra Lupo Max, and Strata. So that's seven types of hops if you're counting. That's really interesting. This is a really, really good triple IPA. It certainly does not taste 10.1%. And I've had enough to know because uh, I bought a keg. And, you know, Brew 1 and Belma are less common hops. Like Citra, everybody fucking, everybody, like, like recently, at least, I don't know when this episode is coming out, but in not not the distant past, other half had a festival, like had a thing where they, not a festival, but like an event where they just brewed like 25 beers that focused on Citra hops. Like they just, like Citra is a really, really widespread but Brew 1 is a pretty new one, and I mean, I get a lot of, like, melon flavors. I get, like, cantaloupe, and I get, you know, citrus, but I also get, like, strawberry, and I'm not sure if that's from the Brew 1 or the Belma, which are two hops that I don't, I'm not super familiar with. Um, but the other thing is that this beer uses a couple different types, but it also uses something called Lupomax, which sounds like a an ortho, some sort of surgery to remove fat. <laughs> Lupomax is a type of hop pellet that brewers use that's just like a super concentrated hop pellet where they actually like get rid of most of the leaf parts and you just get like the hop oil parts. Are they just using all the weed techniques on hops now? I think they are. Is that a weed <laughs> technique though? Uh, probably. So, so I've heard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's great beer. So Red Dragon, 1981. It is actually the first appearance of um, Hannibal Lecter, and if you buy a physical copy of the book, that is plastered on the cover of it. It's like, meet Hannibal Lecter for the first time. This one is hungry. also about Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Just in case you didn't know what this was, because no one does. He's in like three scenes, like you're used to. So it follows really the story of Will Graham, who's like an FBI profiler, who's like retired, but they call him out of retirement to track down a new serial killer who is named the tooth fairy because he yeah. steals the nickels under your pillows uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that will is the best in the game because he has some sort of disorder where he is basically like a hyper empath he can think like a serial killer yeah he can assume the personality or point of view of anyone around him or the circumstances that led to things like he just could feel the way that person felt this is also not real. This is just like the character. He's just really good at understanding people. He just feels so much. That is kind of the way it's explained, yeah. So he's he's living in Florida with his lady because when he caught Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal almost killed him, gutted him with a fish knife or a linoleum knife, which all I've only ever seen in books and TV is used for actual murder. I've never seen anyone use it for linoleum. Because you uh, don't hang out with the working class, Jimmy, where people have linoleum in their houses. That's true, I guess. <laughs> Do you know what linoleum is? It's like that flooring. Yeah, it's like it's is. like on a tube, but it's like a thick plastic yeah, thing. No, my, my house had linoleum growing up. I don't know what linoleum yeah, is. Linoleum in my house. It's my favorite no effects song. <laughs> of the two trillion that exist. Yeah, they've got trillions. So he's living down there, and then Jack Crawford, the uh, guy who gets other people to solve crimes for him <laughs> in all these books, shows he's, up. He's like, Will... <laughs> I need someone to do my job. He's like a great coach, you know. <laughs> He's always like training. You got this kid. <laughs> you could do my job. Well, he is like head of the FBI. I mean, he does have other things to worry about. Maybe not all of the FBI, but head of. He's a, head of like the uh, behavioral division. analysis thing. Sure, maybe. 
something like that. I'll believe you. So he's got like boss things to do. Mm. So we need somebody else to actually do the legwork. So Will Graham goes to both. Um, both we first he goes to the first crime scene and the second crime scene. We didn't and see what the, the crimes were yet, by the way, did we? Uh, so first one is a, a family, a whole family that just got murdered. Like the first, you know, whoever it was, like broke into the house, killed the kids, killed the mother and father, and then like bit them. Teeth marks are an important part of how they are trying to figure out who the who the killer is, and so that's why he got the nickname the Tooth Fairy because he like bit people but like after they're dead and he's got weird teeth yeah he's got a there was a term about oh this person has a blah 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 thing on their teeth so the very you know beginning of the book you get the description of the crime scene of a pretty grisly crime and then how will graham is able to sort of like figure out what's really going on and like because they first you know the original police investigators could not figure out like well clearly he killed the people and then he like moved them he moved them to like their put the husband and wife back in bed together but they're like got this weird stuff and then it will grammar is like oh he posed them just to make it seem like they're watching whatever he did to like the wife the wife's corpse you know as you do and then uh and so that that's like a big and so that's a big chunk of the book the big chunk of the beginning of the book but then the, the just like in Silence of the Lambs, suddenly the perspective kind of switches to the actual murderer's perspective. And you, as the reader, find out who he is or who it because it's always a he. You find out who he is. Statistically, that's true. And why he's so messed up, I guess. And really, and then the rest of the book is, you know, the, the detectives or the investigators trying to figure out, trying to catch this guy. Instead of just, you know, waiting till the end to, you know, find out who the murderer really was. So anyway, you find out this guy, the Tooth Fairy, his real name is Francis Dollarhide. And Francis, he does not like that he's being called the Tooth Fairy. He wants to be called the Red Dragon. And when you think about it, what is a Red Dragon but a big fucking jerk bird? This is <laughs> this is jerk bird from off color. Off color, right? Yeah, yeah off color. <laughs> this is a Belgian style golden ale, ten and a half percent. Oh, that's Jimmy Stees, and it's gonna be good. <laughs> it's in a little bottle too. Makes you feel a very tall person. You should probably pour that in a glass, dude. Why? So you get you get get the aroma. Oh, fine, that's Jesus. So, by the way, as Jimmy gets a glass, we should say that we have a Patreon if you want to support the podcast, and one of the things you can get is a glass. Now, if you head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub, you can support the podcast, and you can get all sorts of things like early access to episodes, exclusive content, vote in our monthly book bowl, and even get physical things like a beer glass, which which makes beer taste better. Ours doesn't necessarily make beer taste better than other glasses, but it certainly doesn't make it taste worse. So, like, you know, that's like that's a risk I would take. But if you pour the beer into a glass, you could smell it, and smell is like an important part, component of tasting. So you should you should do that, Jimmy. What do you think of Jerkbird? Jerkbird. It's it's this has got bread and omices in it, which is what that one that does it like that weird funky farmhouse one, which is well, what off color does, right? Yeah, they just call it Brett usually because yeah, cause it's definitely it's definitely like that. It's it's very it's got a very distinct like uh, funky vibe to it. It doesn't taste like a Belgian at all, but it's still good. But it doesn't taste like a ten and a half percent either. It tastes kind of like a like a slightly funky juice, and it's like when I was pouring it out at the end, it was dripping like it was like syrup almost. Mm. So it's quite sticky. The most important thing for today is if you become a Patreon, Patreon, if you become a website. If you become Patreon. <laughs> That's like Voltron. You have to like assemble with other computers. If you become a patron over at patreon.com slash drink book club, you get to be shouted out in our monthly book poll episode. And this is the book poll winner. And uh, I'm so glad they did. Let's thank those fine people, Nate. There are. We have more and more. All right. I would like to thank Justin. Barry, Julian, Travis, Brent, Doug, Russell, Tyler, Grace, Catherine, Colton, Stephen, Nick, Dustin, Joe, Crab, Michael, Daniel, Amir, Hayden, Mariano, Emotional Support Burrito, CL, and Urinate Honor. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
<laughs> urinate on her? <laughs> urinate on her. If she asks, <laughs> she's into that. <laughs> A very generous $10 patron. But also, someone else in Patreon has also changed their name. So I'm really mad at you, Connie. <laughs> Connie Lingus. <laughs> You know who you are. We have Irish patrons. <laughs> so I guess this is going to be a thing now. Great. I hope they all switch. Oh, Thank you, everybody. Let's crowdsource these folks. He has to read them. It's in his contract. Nate has to read them. And you know, one, one person thought it'd be funny to make silly names and see what he can get Nate to say. And someone else joined in. Can you have too many heroes? Because I have, I have to add two to my list right now. <laughs> And and you could join that esteemed collection of people if you head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club. Okay, so back. speaking of esteemed people, this guy likes to eat people. Not really. He chews on them <laughs> and he thinks that he is gonna become a dragon. So I have a beer for this. So he is um I forget if it is it explicitly he's like roiding out or he's just like No, he just lifts weights like just, crazy. He's just lifting like there's no tomorrow. Uh, he's, he's all, he's all diesel and he is slowly like tattooing himself to turn into a dragon, but the dragon from a William Blake painting, uh, and it's the, the great red dragon and the woman clothed in the sun painting, which a weird is, painting. it is William Blake was a fucking weird dude. And so he's, he's doing that. And one of the things he has is down his leg, he has a, tattoo of a, a dragon tail that like coils around his leg kind of like a cat tail <laughs> <laughs> that's a bigger say? reach than jerk bird <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's a it's a, a fucking huge reach talking to a different serial killer to solve a murder like that's that's a ridiculous reach <laughs> hey you know sometimes you gotta ask an expert it's the <laughs> MacGuffin of the whole series. Oh, it's a sausage MacGuffin. It's ridiculous. So <laughs> I can't believe McDonald's hasn't come up with a sandwich called a MacGuffin yet. It's ridiculous. I can't believe no one's made sausage MacGuffin. Like, that's... that's just, if, gentlemen, if we make a band, that's I'm going to propose that as the name. <laughs> sausage MacGuffin. <laughs> so this is Cattails, <laughs> which is a double IPA from Finback that is really good, and I just knew if I didn't drink it with you today, it wouldn't be available in the future. Because uh, I would I would not have the patience. This is a double IPA that's dry up with Citra and Kohatu. And Kohatu is another uh, newish hop. They're from New Zealand. And it is a blend of a bunch of actually German types of hops. Let's try the beer. Where is Old Zealand? The Netherlands. Is it? <laughs> I'm not sure. But isn't like Z-E-E land? Like I'm not, I'm not like I'm not like stuttering, but like the letters Z E E land is not like part of, New, of the Netherlands. I have no I have no fucking idea. I just realized I I don't know where it is. Nate, are you Googling? Google. Yep. Where Google is Old Zealand? <laughs> it is uh where is the original or old Zealand? Located just northwest of the Belgian city of Antwerp. Fuck yes, I was right. Practically Dutch. It's right by Antwerp. That's that's original Zealand. Thank you, history degree. That's, the OG Zealand. <laughs> That'd be a great name also for a band. <laughs> or, or OG a, Zealand. <laughs> OG. It just sounds like a really weird e- electronic EDM artist. It's probably a Flight of the Concords album. Oh, yeah. I can see that. So this beer is great double IPA. Kohatu is, you know, super tropical kind of hop, as is Citra. This is a... A modest nine percent now, so I'm, I'm tapering off. Modest at ten per ten point one percent, boy. Did I tell you I brewed the other day? I've been I'm getting I'm I've been brewing again. Uh, I told us well, the last one you did is it different from the other one? I brewed again. Okay, <laughs> so I've done I've been. Uh, How did the first one turn out? It was very drinkable. It wasn't amazing. I won't lie, but it's pretty good um, for for someone just making beer in the basement. Achieving drinkable is a feat on of itself. Well, to be fair, I made it in my backyard because my wife doesn't trust me to do it in the basement. <laughs> Can so, you do it outside? Isn't that bad for it? Uh, I mean, when you're boiling shit, it doesn't matter. You just like dump it into a thing. Hmm. It's fine. It came out great. So I did the same beer uh, again. 
And uh, my wife is so annoyed at her job. <laughs> and she's like, listen, if you can get this, if you can get good at making beer and we can have a brewery instead of having shitty jobs, I'd be interested. I'm like, all right, challenge accepted. So, gentlemen, we need to start practicing making beer a lot so none of us have to have boring jobs. <laughs> like having a book podcast. <laughs> we could do, but when we could, then we could not have to worry about our jobs finding out. <laughs> My <laughs> job we, knows. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a great great double IP from Finback Just like a random one they put out I love it, should have bought more don't, don't know much about Kohatu See that name every once in a while But I will try to get some more of it Back to Red Dragon So he's obsessed with this painting from William Blake Which I really don't know much about William Blake Except that when I was in high school It was kind of like pretentious people would like William Blake I thought he was a writer He wrote poems Yeah, but he also and, did paintings I guess Yeah, he's some British weirdo from like okay. the turn of the 19th century. Is that the 1800s? Yeah, right. Who wrote like, he's like a romanticist. I, I don't really know much more about his shit, except I've read random poems. Like the big thing is uh, songs of innocence and songs of, songs of innocence and uh, experience or something like that. Songs of experience and innocence, something like that. It's like the big collection of poems. Well, luckily this book doesn't require it. No, of course, but like that's like his famous thing. Like it's like a poem and a picture. Like he has like these kind of things, mm. and they're weird. I don't know. I don't like poetry, so I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I don't know fucking anything about. So, it. Th- so the book Red Dragon doesn't like have any deeper reason that that the main character is obsessed with it than just like he saw it and he got obsessed with it. That's it. And then he thinks that he has a red dragon inside of him, talking to him and making him do all these murders. Maybe he just had to really poop. <laughs> he, had, he had Chipotle. Like, I got a red dragon in me. Oh, man. It's going to look like I'm clothed in this. It's going to feel like I'm clothed in the sun. <laughs> Hot butt. So you, you find out about... So, okay. Hey, For um, translating. One thing that happens is that Will Graham, the investigator, goes to see Hannibal Lecter in his prison. To exactly the same like place situation, exactly the same scene as in in um, Silence of the Lambs. Will Graham goes to see Hannibal Lecter and just he asks him a little bit and says like you know oh could you look at the file I have here or more like offers it to him but Hannibal Lecter is of course being a giant asshole about it and is taunting him the whole time too because he can't help but not fucking with people. And Graham is the he one that actually got him. He must have been the worst therapist, by the way. Like, imagine. <laughs> his, 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 his clients must have been more crazy after <laughs> speaking to him, not less. This is like when I was like, I had a dream last night about my grandmother. And he's like, could it be because you're gay? Like, I just feel <laughs> like he's just going to taunt them. It's like, what? No. I, I don't know. Could be. What do you think? Like, I just feel like he was a dick. Like, he really was not helpful. In any sense, I can't imagine he was helpful in his clinical practice when he was eating people. Well, in this no. in this one, he's still uh, writing articles for medical journals and getting published constantly because he is a genius. He just is very, very hungry boy. Once yeah. he cut off that one finger of his, he got less, you know, lost control. That comes out, that comes up in the later books. But he had oh. a sixth finger that got cut off. It's a whole. I've read all the books. I, li- I actually really like the series. So, um, but this, uh, Hannibal Lecter has much less to do with, with actually discovering or figuring out the crime than in Silence of the Lambs. But anyway, the, it's reported in the newspaper by the tabloid reporter named Freddie Lowndes. Freddie Lowndes that, which is the way you have to say his name, (laughs) Freddie Lowndes, uh, that, that, (laughs) I don't know why, but I, I, yeah, I think I'm right. right. I think I'm right about that. That 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 Graham had gone to see Hannibal Lecter to ask him about the thing. I don't know how exactly he found out. And then just part in the paper. And then the crazy guy, Dollarhide, Francis Dollarhide, the Red Dragon, actually writes to actually has this whole plan and writes to Hannibal Lecter, but he writes it on toilet paper? How exactly do you mail a roll of toilet paper? I think well there's a strip and he folded up and put oh, it in okay. an envelope. At the, the 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 guy who runs the insane asylum, whatever his name is, Chilton, Chilton, Chilton said we found it with his toilet paper. So I assumed it was just like 
you know, halfway through a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> oh, by the way, hi. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. I'm the Red Dragon. That's something. Okay, I guess that's probably not how it worked. Well, I but think anyway, in the movie, they kind of show this, and it's like he wrote it on toilet paper, and then he like took that, and there's a roll of TP in his in his cell, and he kind of like unrolled a bunch of it and like wove that into the to the roll and rolled it back. So if you were just kind of glancing around the cell, well, that's how Hannibal hit it, but we don't know how he got it to Hannibal. Oh yeah, I see. I see. He probably had, he mailed it in some way. It got yeah, him. Yeah. Anyway, it's on toilet paper so that it can be easily gotten rid of. In in, in that, he's like, "Well, you you could eat this, and it would go away easily. You could you could. I mean, you could paper. also just flush it. Why would you? Say, but it's because you could be <laughs> take a shit on this letter. You could eat it. That's what he says. You could eat. This. Yeah, it's just an odd first choice. Like you could eat this toilet paper, which is designed to be flushed. <laughs> That's because he's got the fucking tooth thing. You know? No, he just he just likes to eat things. He believes that the eating things makes him stronger, and he's consuming them. So if he eats a toilet paper, he'll be stronger. He has the strength of a tree. <laughs> of or, many, many or thin a pieces deuce. of a tree. <laughs> I have the strength of many dumps. <laughs> so then about 20, there's about 20% of the book where they're obsessed with like secret codes that are going to be printed in the classified sections because somehow Hannah, they, they, so the, okay, the, the guy in charge of the insane asylum finds the note that was written by the red dragon to Hannibal Lecter. And it, and they realize that Hannibal Lecter is going to write a note, put it, put something in a classified things in a paper, by the way, for you younger listeners, classifieds were what Craigslist <laughs> used to be, but it was in print. It still is for really sad people. <laughs> they still ex- I guess they must still exist, yeah. It used to be one of the main ways that newspapers like brought in income, and now Craigslist just like totally... And the main way people found jobs and places to live. And, and hookers. people to sleep with. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say uh, my wife... No relation to what you just said. Uh, yeah, I was like, that's a bad segue, man. Changed her name <laughs> and had to had to do that in a classified section. You had to go to the courthouse and be like, I want to change my name to this. They have to like announce it? And you have to announce it in New York. You have to put it in the newspaper. And the judge is like, all right, here's the shittiest, cheapest newspaper in New York. And it's like the Irish Echo or something <laughs> like that. And you go and you buy, you pay them like 75 bucks. And you're like, here, just post this for three weeks, please. And then give me a, a receipt so I can show a judge. So I think that's what a lot of what their business is now. Irish Echo making bank. Yeah, she changed it to Mrs. Drunk Guy. She changed it from Mrs. Drunk Guy. It was very <laughs> upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> so Hannibal Lecter puts a classified ad in the news in the in the newspaper or one of the local papers that is literally a sort of secret code that tells Will Graham's address where his like girlfriend. Is, hey, is staying cowboy. down in Florida. Our pilgrim. What does he call him? Something stupid like that, right? Pilgrim, yeah. So there's this whole thing about, oh, get the FBI code breakers on this and blah, blah, blah. But somehow the newspaper reporter named Freddie Lowndes finds out about <laughs> it. And so they like have this some whole deal where they're like, oh, you need to, they give him access to write, a, write an article about it, hoping to like plot a trap to catch the red dragon but it doesn't work and instead the red dragon front finds freddie lounge and eats his lips bites off his lips <laughs> and then sets him on fire but first he makes him watch a really sad slideshow i can only imagine this book was from 1981 like those were like legit slides this wasn't powerpoint <laughs> it's like a he like pulled down a curt like a thing <laughs> Like a, like a, and you got the like chunk noise between everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because he's uh, he's glued to the wheelchair, so he can't run away. You know that's how all good slideshows start. <laughs> that's how all slideshows start. No one wants to watch a slideshow. Well, if it's ever like, hey, want to see pictures of my family vacation? Like, oh dear God, anything but that. Let it's like that, except in this, it's all the pictures of him um, murdering and then posing the families and then doing creepy shit, like putting mirrors in their eyes so they can watch him. Well, he said, here they are. Here's the family, and here they are. Uh, what is he, like, transformed or something? Transformed, like yes. I've transformed them into cadavers. I've transformed them. And he's like, and, and Freddie Lowndes is like, oh, I get it, man. I get it. I'm going to tell everybody. He's like, oh, you really get it. Yeah, you're going to tell them all right. 
Well, before he bites his lips off, he uh, makes him record a message to be sent out to everybody that he is not a fucking tooth fairy. He's a dragon. Stop it. It's mean. Did you say he was a dragon? I did say he was a dragon. (laughs) He said he was a dragon. All right. So I have a beer for this. This is called Dragon Stout. And who is who is it made by? Who is it made by? I think it's made by Jamaica. <laughs> the entire country. Desnos and Geddes Limited. Anyway, this is a stout that says imported, and it is 7.5% alcohol. And it is uh, weird, weird tasting. I don't know. I, weird? I, I, weird. How's it weird? It's like kind of sweet. Yeah, it's definitely like in terms of like it's a stout that doesn't, that's not advertised as a pastry stout. It is oddly sweet. Hmm. It's almost like they put corn syrup in it. It's actually what it tastes like. Like a cold 45? Like that really cheap uh, sweetener? Mm, yeah, actually a little bit. Huh. I've only ever had Red Stripe in terms of Jamaican beer. It says on the bottle. I think, I think they also make Red original Stripe. Original Jamaican since 1920. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, Jesus, okay. Back when you couldn't uh, make beer in America. So I guess that's part of it. I don't know. Uh, oh, bottled by Red Stripe. There you go. Brewed and bottled by Red Stripe. You know, I wonder if because, you know, it's in the Caribbean, if molasses is a constituent part, since that is a chief crop of a lot of those countries. That would make now, sense, I guess. Now, it doesn't actually list the ingredients. Anyway, it's uh, called Dragon Stout, so I thought it was perfect. And it even has a red dragon on the front. It's meant to be. Yep. Except it doesn't taste great, so... (laughs) Just like eating a dead family. (laughs) He doesn't actually eat any of them. He just bites them. The eating is more metaphorical. Metaphorical eating. Yeah. Is that a Duncan Sheik song? (laughs) I think it is. (laughs) Who? Duncan Sheik. Barely Breathing was his big hit. He's like a very cerebral singer-songwriter type guy. I am barely breathing and I can't find the air. Don't pretend you don't know, Jimmy. (laughs) You're like, oh, is it, is, is that, is it that is it that Duncan Sheik or is it the other Duncan Sheik that I know? Or is it one of the other Duncan Sheiks? Yeah, fucking Jesus. I, I mean, I, I, is that the song? That's yes, the only... it, okay. a thousand times. Yes, I didn't. Have to, I was like, you said it was cerebral. I was like, isn't that sound like dumb nineties? But he had like this reputation group? of it's just like one dude. He had like a reputation of being like a kind of artsy, smart dude. He wrote. He wrote um, spring, when Spring Awakening was. But on Broadway, he did the music for that. And he has uh Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. I, I had that song chalked up to like every other one-hit wonders 90s band. Like Eagle Eye Cherry and shit. <laughs> Is that the guy who did She's So High? Uh, no, that's Tal Bachman. That's, of course it's Tal Bachman. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> so high. Is that like high above me. Chumbawamba? Oh, Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba has Any more like a deep catalog. <laughs> So he kills Freddie Lowndes. He bite, he eats his face, then lights him on fire. You know, pushes him down into a parking garage, still glued to the wheelchair. Yeah, and uh, he's glued to the wheelchair on fire, and then he, uh, which was a really shocking image in the in the uh, in the movie. Oh yeah, once uh, Philip be more frothing at the mouth, we <laughs> 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 wheel down a hill and flames in a wheelchair. <laughs> Uh, and then they, they kind of like basically leaves him outside of the office of the of the newspaper, and he dies because you know his his face has been eaten and he's on fire. He lives for a little while enough to like sass talk Will with his no lips mouth, <laughs> like you suck, you did this to me on purpose. Because well, Will really doesn't like this guy because this guy snuck into the hospital when Will was in the hospital from getting lecture stabbed. And took pictures of his, uh, you know, unconscious naked body, put them on the front page of his paper, the tattler. Well, because he's, he's, he's a tabloid slime bag, you know. Yeah, and- yeah. Will hates him. But they know that he would serve this purpose. And then I think it was like, it might have been Lecter, but someone else who just said like, you know, maybe you didn't really care if this plan worked or if it just got Freddie killed. And Will's like, eh, maybe not. No, yeah, I really didnn't care. <laughs> Womp womp. But at the same time, they have to solve murder because this guy only kills people on the full moon and there's only so much time left. But Francis Dollarhide 
the Red Dragon. He, he actually, Francis the Red Dragon Dollarhide is uh, from Parts <laughs> Unknown. <laughs> he is. Uh, we, we know he works at a film processing plant, you know, back when people took pictures with, you know, cameras and shit. And you couldn't get it developed in an hour or less at your local, you know, pharmacy. He falls in love with a blind, you know, fall, finds himself interested at least. He's like, ooh, this blind chick is interesting. And he's interested in her because he has a physical deformity. He has like a hair lip, right? Yeah, he had a hair lip and they fixed it. But he still has a weird, he talks a little funny and people notice it. And he's very insecure about this because he had a... Very weird childhood. And Granny wasn't great. No. Yeah, so he had his, like, he had a, you know, his mother basically abandoned him at birth, you know, to be adopted, but then he was in the he was in the foster care system for years, and then the grandmother somehow, like, finds him, and so, but she's also, she's also completely crazy and, like, threatened, and is going to, like, cut his dick off. She threatens to cut his dick off a lot, yeah. Yeah. That's and then, Woody, what's the bed? Wait, that's not normal for a grandma to do. <laughs> uh, it's seventy thirty. All right. Uh, but she also <laughs> runs an old old uh folks home for like indigent people, and then also goes crazy. And he like, and then she dies. And so Francis Dollarhide, he's like wearing her teeth. Those are the teeth marks that he's biting people and leaving the marks around. And but so he is interested in this blind woman who, you know, partly because like I guess, you know, she can't see how deformed I am, I guess, is kind of the way it's played yeah. in the book, yeah. at least. But also he's got this he's also like completely insane and he feels that he's got this red dragon inside of him that is like making him do this stuff. Which Lift doesn't really more make sense. weights. <laughs> Just like yells him. Yeah, and he like tries to just lift weights to get to like, you know, just he can't sleep and all this stuff. And anyway, he eventually goes to Brooklyn, to the Brooklyn Museum to actually find the actual painting of William Blake's The Great Red Dragon and the Woman Clothed in the Sun. And he like not breaks in. He like pretends that he's over, that he's there on a like research thing and they let him in alone but then he hits the the woman showing him uh so he this like tour guide person he's the only one on the floor hits her in the head and then he takes the painting off the wall and then eats it so that the dragon is inside of him you know as you do well, at that point he he wants to stop the dragon because the dragon wants him to kill the blind chick yeah and he's like oh, i like her maybe if i eat this painting I'll defeat the dragon, but it doesn't work. Weird. It sounds like a foolproof <laughs> plan. <laughs> I mean, it had a real shot, but <laughs> while but while this is going on, Graham figures out that oh well, there was a you know there was a film projector at at this family's house and the other family's house. The two family that's the thing that connects them. They had a they both had film projectors. Wait, he must have had, you know, where was where did they get their film developed? And they find out that they both had their film developed in the same place, and that's why the murderer actually knew about, you know, how to get into the houses and knew the Didn't he also like their pose connection. as like a fucking utility guy? He he first saw them through processing their home video and then he went to their houses and posed as various things so that he could like stake out the place and figure out how best to eat them. Of course. Yep. <laughs> and so while Dollar Hyde is in Brooklyn. Graham figures out that, you know, oh, it must be the film processing. They find the film processing place, you know, location, and then find, you know, who's working there, and then who is it that could have done this, and then who owns a, who owns a van. And then they eventually figured out, <laughs> yeah, that was the, who owns a van? It's a van. <laughs> the van was very important in this book. And then they fi- figure out who, you know, and they go to his house. But at the same time, Dollar Hyde has taken the, the blind girl named Reba McLean. And then uh, he's like, in, he's going to try and, okay, this part of the book didn't quite make sense to me. She, he brings her in and then pretends that he's going to shoot her, but instead lights the room on fire and then fires the gun. And it makes you think that he killed himself. Yeah. And, he, and there's a dead person on the floor that's face has been shot off. 
You're like, that's yep. him. He killed himself. He, he wanted to convince her that he had killed himself so that the dragon wouldn't get her. I guess. But it, it, the, the way that this is kind of like the dramatic ending of the book, you think at least. Uh, the dramatic ending of the book and then, you know, the Graham and the, the FBI and the police are outside and they're like, oh, they see him. They see the, you know, building, they, they, his house, you know, going up in flames. It's like, oh, well, I guess that was it. I guess we found him. And then three weeks later, Graham is back home in Florida. But then Dollarhide is there and tries to kill him, stabs him in the face yeah. with a knife, yeah. and then goes after the rest of his family. And his wife, Molly, is there. and She has a gun, so she shoots him a whole bunch of times, just as... Graham did to this other guy in a different case years years before shoots him and kills him because uh, Hannibal Lecter did actually leak his actual address and manages to find him. But now Dollar Hyde is dead, and then the end. Well, there's other stuff like there's the we we skipped over how um, Graham spoke to the blind chick and she was so upset that she like was interested in the fucking murderer guy. And he's like, oh, no, but being kind to him, you helped. Probably saved people's lives. Even though he murdered a guy to convince you he was dead. Somehow that makes sense. And then at the end, Graham has like some sort of like weird flashback about something about the Civil War. I forget which battle it was. Shiloh. Shiloh. All right, yeah. The dog that... Neil Diamond sang about, and he, <laughs> you know, that song, and he has a flashback about that, and he kind of comes to the conclusion. So part of like part of like the thing here, like Thomas Harris's whole shtick, is I guess it's pop psychology, just like the idea, like oh, this happened to you, and therefore you became this person, which is probably much more uh, cutting edge in 19, 1981 than it is now. It's a 40-year-old book, so it definitely shows its age in the psychology elements. But the question, I guess, throughout the book is, like, was this guy always a monster? Or was he made into a monster through his, you know, circumstances? And at the end of the book, Graham is like, yeah, that, that probably happens. <laughs> <laughs> you probably get fucked up somehow, and that's bad. Grandma shouldn't threaten to cut your dick off. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not. That's not a very good and grandma. Like everyone, everyone in the orphanage called him cunt face. Well, maybe they meant it as like a term of endearment. You know, I don't really. <laughs> I don't think it meant something different in those days. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit, it's a bit strong. It's a bit strong of a term. Yeah, but that's a kind of like the thing. And at the end of the book, Graham is like reflecting, and he's like, "Ah, yes, nurture is a big deal." <laughs> In the nature versus nurture debate. Well, it's also a big thing for him because they allude to it a lot in this book, and it's a it's a huge part of the show for Graham is that he can't do this for very long because taking these people's points of view and like living with this and feeling these things all the time is bad for him, and he starts to like lose his mind a little bit and starts to become a little bit crazier. And so that's why he quit in addition to being stabbed. But doing this stuff is harmful to him. Like learning these things and feeling these ways, that's why he can't do it. And so maybe he's wondering, if I keep doing this, will I become a fucking serial killer? He's got big feelings. All the feels. All the all of them. Except any good ones. No one ever is happy in this book for one minute. Maybe the blind chick when she's getting banged and the dragon when he's doing the banging because he genuinely does actually kind of care about her and so he tries to stop the dragon and he stops he really besides faking killing himself he really does consider killing himself for real so that the dragon won't get her so this is you know the first appearance of Hannibal Lecter He's in this a lot less, or more like his role in the story is a lot less than, um, you know, Sounds of the Lambs, which is much more well-known. Yeah. And it, he's almost in it so little, I really was wondering, like, what's the point of this even being here? You know, the author, you know, Thomas Harris, made up this whole, like, extra thing, like, oh... Uh, the the main character has got to go talk to the crazy guy, the crazy genius. It's almost like, you know, if Sherlock Holmes was instead a evil person and, you know, put him in a cell and he's going to help 
solve the mystery, except he doesn't actually help solve the mystery at all. He is just a dickhead about it. He makes it worse. So I, I wonder if, you know, it, it, this is the first book, and this is of, of the Hannibal Lecter world, and it's actually only Thomas Harris's second novel. His first novel is a book called Black Sunday, which is from like 1975. He's he he's produced like five books in the last half a century. He's really a he labors a long time. He's making a, a lot on Hannibal royalties. Oh yeah, he, he, yeah. He, there's been no pressure on him to put another <laughs> book out financially, but I mean, if he's a writer, he probably wants to. But he he struggles to 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 finish books for whatever reason. You kind of wonder, looking back, like. Which character was he trying to set up here? You know, it, what happened to Will Graham? Will Graham was an interesting guy. He just vanishes in the books. They mention him in passing in Silence of the Lambs, don't they? But they say he got basically got stabbed in the face and he like doesn't do anything anymore. Yeah, but at that point, that was just kind of like a throwback to this book. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, this was the first book in the series. So he was just kind of like trying to come up with something. But by the time he... You know, the second book, he comes up with a much more interesting main character, Starling, Clary Starling. That's like a way more engaging character and actually makes Hannibal Lecter a much bigger part of the, the, the story, a much more important part of the story, which was also a really good idea. And it just makes a much more engaging book, you know, but it, it wouldn't necessarily. OK, I think Silence of the Lambs stands can stand on its own, even if you've never read any of the others or that can yeah. be that can be just fine. I mean they obviously didn't they obviously made the movie of that first and it worked fine. Sort of. There was a movie of this first. There was a movie of this first, yeah. But it there was ass. yeah, it was called Manhunter. They changed it because uh I think Year of the Dragon came out the same year and they didn't want people to get confused. Uh, and it was uh Brian Cox was Hannibal Lecter and William Peterson from CSI was uh Will Graham. They made it more about they they put they added a lot more Hannibal, made it a lot more about Hannibal and the Red Dragon, from what I heard as what I've read the differences between all the different versions. I never saw that one, but yeah, it came out in the mid eighties or early eighties. Eighty six, I want to say. Yeah, it ex- it existed, but it, you know, it just it didn't really it wasn't well known. What year did the movie Silence of the Lambs come out? Eighty nine or something like that. Ninety. Silence of the Lambs, the book came out in eighty eight. Uh, so I think nineteen ninety one, I guess. Brian Cox is a good cast. Good cast for uh, Hannibal Lecter. I can see. That. I've but never seen this. Not, movie. but just not as good as Anthony Hopkins. Well, I think the bigger thing is they made like Dennis Farina like a bigger character, and he was um, Crawford. He was. Uh, oh yeah. And that guy's he's great in, or he was. I think he's dead now, but he was great in like being an obnoxious part character. Having him be a major character probably not great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of this was affected by the fact that Silence of the Lambs was a better movie in every single way. Yeah. And just like a cultural phenomenon, like everyone fucking knows it. Like, I really thought that Red Dragon was a prequel that he had written because I didn't know that this actually came first. That's why in the bookshelves, this one has the first Hannibal Lecter book, just in case you were wondering. Right, yeah. I, I get it. Like the publishers are trying to like push copies of this book to like cash in because there's only fucking four Hannibal Lecter books. But it, it does feel like this is almost like the dress rehearsal for Silence of the Lambs. It's like the same fucking thing, but better. Yeah, you know, it's a sequel, but it's it's just it's the same formula. But he, but he made some significant some the the changes he made were really significant. Really, instead of making like a grizzled FBI profiler, it's a male profiler it's a female fbi like recruit and that makes it much more interesting i mean i i actually i like this book a lot mainly because i like hannibal like the the series concept i i can see why silence lamps is better i do think that the red dragon is a more interesting villain than buffalo bill but the lack of hannibal so it's, it's, it makes it it makes it worse in that regard certainly i didn't really like this one i thought it was just not not just that it was clearly uh, you know a less good songs of the lambs 
Hmm. Which, you know, it was his first book. I'm not, that's not, it's just like, we Second know that's one. what happens when the first version. The first book's not bad. Black what what I mean by first, first book in terms of like, hadn't yet, Sounds of the Lambs is building upon the characters and building upon yeah. what he had already put in. And so like the first, like the first episode of most TV shows, it's not that great. You know, that takes, take, yeah. takes time, time to, you know, figure for everybody to figure out what to do that makes it good. And I can see that, but, and, you know, that's, that's obviously, you know, going to happen, but uh, I thought this was not great. I actually really didn't like it. It was, even though Silence of the Lambs did many of the exact same things, this would had all the, all the detective novel, all the detective novel, I don't know, tropes, I guess you want to call it, you know, the detective who just has a great gut, you know, he just, his gut just tells him what, what's going to happen. Well, he has a mood disorder in this one, so... <laughs> yes, I mean, he's not actually an alcoholic, like most detectives. Lame. And, like, the original part was that he actually went to talk to the crazy criminal genius psychologist Hannibal Lecter in prison to, like, learn about it. Like, that was an original idea. But because I read Silence of the Lambs first and it was better in that one, I was just disappointed when I read this one, is the way I want to say it. Do you think if you had read this one first, it would have been better? Uh, if you didn't maybe. know about Silence of the Lambs, not like, because you know the movie, but like, if you didn't know, like if you were reading this in 1982. If I was, if I was reading this in 1982, and I, was, I would have been just like, uh, this is a... Nate would have been 40. <laughs> it was the year I was fucking born, guys. So fuck you. <laughs> if I was actually reading it in 1982, it would have been, it would have been a kind of forgettable... Thriller, thriller, actually, it not not all that remarkable. Honestly, it would have been like a meh, okay, thriller. But the idea of talking to the other crazy person to solve the crazy person thing, even though it wasn't done very well here, it, it does it so little and not very well. But did that exist anywhere else? Did Harris kind of like come uh, up with that? Is, I don't know. That whole Mindhunter show is based on those two FBI guys going around and interviewing all the imprisoned serial killers to find out how this happened, like what happened to them, like to see if like basically like the beginning of kind of the beginning of uh, profiling. I, it happened in real life before this book came out. I don't know if it was public knowledge though. And the premise of every single show on CBS. Yeah. Were they in, is that the one where they interview? Um, is it uh, Charles Manson? Edmund Kemper. Oh, Ed Kemper. Yeah. The, the big giant murderer guy. Yeah. Nice big boy drove around in a car with his mother's head. He well, he did he drove, he like he like cut off his mother's head and like fucked it with. <laughs> it's like it was a it was a weird guy, yeah. You know, to each their own. The the one thing about this book that was kind of weird for me in terms of like drama and pacing was that when the book starts, the murders have already all happened. Both he had did two. He's done two family murders. Wiped out ten people or nine people, and it's already done. And then they're all just trying to catch him before he does it a third time. And I felt like that maybe was maybe a bad choice in that, like there, it nothing on, on the side of the of uh, the Red Dragon besides his weird little psychological adventures. Nothing really happens in his part, except you know, I guess eating Freddy's face, but. It, it really lacks a lot of that. Like, at least when Buffalo... And going to Brooklyn Museum to eat the painting. Yeah, yeah. Like, Buffalo Bill had the girl hostage, and so, like, there was something time-wise actually happening, whereas opposed to, like, we've got three and a half weeks until he kills another family, and they're like, okay, and then in the meantime, we'll just do a lot of investigating. So it, it kind of lacked... I, I know there was a certain amount of, you know, impending doom, but... It didn't really have the same feel as a lot of other, you know, killer cases do. Not a lot of, not a lot of the actual killing happens in the course of the actual book. Well, it turns it into like a race against time kind of story. Yeah, but the time is very long. <laughs> yeah, right. You you have, you have a month. You have a couple of week, yeah. a couple of weeks because they realize, oh, it's only on the full moon. Okay, we have exactly you know. Or like the Friday near a moon because he's, you know, he only has so many vacation days. <laughs> they didn't have flexible time off in 1981? No, no, they didn't. didn't ha he didn't have a strong union at the uh, 
St. Louis Kodak processing, processing plant. plant. I thought it was fine. I, I liked it. I thought, it, you know, I just like Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal, which I haven't read in many, like 20 years at this point, but I, it's just like a, it takes a while to get going. And then once it is, like, oh shit, okay, now I want to see. I'm like interested. I thought, I thought it was fine. I thought it was a good. Th- I, maybe I don't read a lot of thrillers. We don't do too many on the podcast. I thought it was fine. I, I, I was. I wanted to know what happened, and I had seen the movie. I knew what happened. I wanted to see how he did it. You saw the the Ray Fiennes version. Yeah, I never saw Mindhunt, Manhunter. I thought the Ray Fiennes movie was pretty good. It kind of. I felt. I only saw that once, and it was when it came out in theaters. So that's also twenty years ago. Mm, yeah, uh, it's not bad. I thought it was pretty faithful to the book. Like, what did it really yeah. change? They added a bunch more Hannibal again. Of course. Like, because be, that's what everyone wants to see. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're trying to cash in on. But besides adding more Hannibal scenes, which I don't think really hurt, it was the same plot. Yeah. I still think the show did it the best. Well, the show adds parts of this, right? Yeah. The, I mean, the show, uh, the third season is like two halves, basically. And the second half of the third and final season uh, is Red Dragon. So they have a lot more time to like build it out, and it's a lot, it's a lot weirder, but it's it's also a fairly faithful thing. But there's also way more Hannibal added because Hannibal's the most interesting part. I think if you've seen if you've read Science of the Lambs and you liked it, you should read this book. And you'll be like, oh, it, yeah. it's like it's like I can't believe it's not Science of the Lambs. But if you, <laughs> <laughs> I guess really what's going to happen? It's not better. It's not. The movie I kind of think is better because it's more modern and less like slow and boring, and it has more Anthony Hopkins because he's in about like seven minutes of Silence of the Lambs. He is in a surprisingly little amount, yeah. But they beefed him up for the Red Dragon because you know that was the big draw, and I think that was I forget which came out first, that or the Hannibal movie, the the shitty movie Hannibal movie. Yeah, it's a movie Hannibal. Based on the third book, where it's him and Julianne Moore, so there's like yeah. a whole phase where they tried to sho- shoehorn a bunch of uh, Hannibal Lecter yeah. into the world. That was not a no one liked that movie. I feel like if if you like if you like Silence of the Lambs, you'll like this. It won't be better, but it'll be fine. And if you don't like Silence of the Lambs, you won't like this. But I guess in the meantime, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail And if you listen this long, follow us at Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And if you want to help support the podcast, you can leave us five stars uh, wherever you are listening. Or head over to patreon.com slash Drunk Guys Book Club and uh, become a supporter of the podcast. We'd appreciate either one and both even more. And you can also be our friend on Goodreads where we are there and we read. And it's good. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.